This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. It is the weekend, boys and girls. It's actually my birthday, 41. Can you believe it? I've made it this long. All the bad habits, all the non-exercising, I'm still moving. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to be the one who does it. Interesting week. We've got Joe Biden, who is clearly not well. We have the United States Senate, who is content to fund every war obligation around the world, except those that happen right here in the United States of America. And we've got all sorts of speculation about what's going to happen with Joe Biden in 2024. I personally think Joe Biden's on the ballot in 2024, and I think so for one reason. I think the Democrats know nationally that they are unpopular and they do not want to burn Somebody with upside for tomorrow. The Democrats, you can hate them all you want. They are great at playing the long game. And they've got a bench, whereas if you said, who's the next Republican president or candidate for president? Hell, I don't think we know. I have no idea. I think Ron DeSantis could potentially be one, but who knows what happens when he sits out of the game as he's term limited out of Florida and he has to sit for two years. He may still have a bunch of notoriety. The Trump folks like him. I don't think Nikki Haley is that answer, but it also goes to show you, like, where's the party going to go? I think if Joe Biden is on the ballot against Donald Trump in 2024, that Joe Biden is going to lose, and the Democrats know it. The question is, how do you get around him if you actually want to play and win in the short term? Because there's only one person who is less popular. There's actually two people less less popular than Joe Biden as a part of his cabinet or his executive staff. Number one is Kamala Harris. She can't stand on her own two feet. They've had to send her out to places. But look, she's had a bad couple of years with regards to, have you been to the southern border? Well, which one? The one in Europe? No, Kamala. The one that borders with Mexico. Oh, that one. She's not good. Alejandro Mayorkas. The cabinet secretary, he has been impeached this week. Second time in our country's history that that has ever happened. The first time it has happened since the late 1800s. I honestly, you know, until this all started, I was like, why would you impeach a cabinet secretary? Wouldn't they just step down? But my Orcus, for all the faults, I mean, he's a foot soldier for the administration. If he stops doing what Joe Biden wants him to do, then Joe Biden replaces him. I don't actually think that Joe Biden's a guy calling the shots in the White House. I think that he's got an executive staff and an executive team, and they're really just governing, trying to tread water, playing the long game on behalf of the parties. And yes, they're playing the long game on behalf of the Democrat Party at the southern border. For one reason, they think that people of color ultimately benefit the Democrats moving forward. And to be honest with you, from a strategic perspective, they're probably not wrong. I think it's the worst thing you could possibly do for the future of this country is to just, hey, y'all come on in. The fact that the Republicans and the Democrats can't get their arms around it, I think it says a lot about our politics. I think it says a lot about the body of all of it right now. I mean, people are frustrated. If you are a MAGA Republican and you're listening to Donald Trump say, no, we shouldn't do anything to address the southern border. We should wait until he's in office. Donald Trump's not going to get the 60 votes in the United States Senate to get anything done. Nothing. 
So I appreciate the fact that executively he can seal off the border. There is no comprehensive immigration plan that's going to take place now, and there's no comprehensive immigration plan that's going to take place in two years. It's not going to happen. You can't pass that out of Congress because the Democrats will say he's a racist, a bigot, a xenophobe, a homophobe, all of it. I don't even know if they'll say he's a homophobe. Sure, why not? But you have to look. Let's assume for two seconds that the Democrats are organized and they've got a well-oiled machine. They've got Biden's body, his carcass out there campaigning, not doing Super Bowl commercials, but doing Instagram influencer reels on why packaging is getting smaller and people are getting squeezed. I mean, the message with that administration is absolutely all over the place. But I don't think he's running if the Democrats think that they have a shot. And Fox News, of all places, Fox News put out this week, who are the four people who could replace Joe Biden at the Democrat convention should he choose to be unwell? Because they have to find their way around Kamala Harris. There's one very mobile group in the Democrat Party, black women. And you can't have Joe Biden say, I'm not running now, and let Kamala Harris be the front runner because she polls even worse than he does. And that is hard to believe, but it is actually factually accurate. So let's assume that she's one, and I don't really think she's one. The other three that Fox News trotted out there is Gavin Newsom. We've seen him, met him when he came to uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, as a part of that Fox News debate. Polarizing, captivating guy. He speaks very well on his feet. He has a message that is full of hope for this country. There's only one problem. California has never had a worse economic situation in the history of that state, and it's not a new state. If you look at what he's done, he's spent tons of money on homelessness. He can't get anything done that makes a lot of sense. He struggles. I mean, he absolutely has struggled, and he struggles on the national stage. Now, I actually think with the second term of his governor's tenure, I think he has the opportunity if he really wants to play the long game and potentially run for president, he has to bring California back to the middle. I think he actually has the capability of doing that. I don't know if he will. I don't know that he I don't I don't know if he won't, but I can promise you this. He knows if he wants to take a shot at the big office in 2028, he has no choice but to govern like a guy with some walking around sense. The other two, Clay Travis has trotted this out here for months, and it's funny to watch him start to be right. Michelle Obama, look, if Michelle Obama is on the ballot in 2024 on behalf of the Democrat Party, it is over. It's over for Republicans. It's over for Donald Trump. You take people out of the suburbs who liked Obama, regardless of how he governed. She treats people with respect. She's going to raise a ton of money. She has a ton of corporate influence. She would be hard to beat if you were going to draw a candidate that needed no name ID, that could fundraise to the ends of the earth, that would per that would persuade moderate Republicans over, she would be one. The fourth one that I thought was the most interesting was Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir. A lot of you don't know this. Andy's father was the governor of Kentucky some 25 years ago. And Kentucky is an R plus 7, R plus 8 state. And he survived a re-election at 52-48, he, which is super impressive. You look at their other statewide ballots – Daniel Cameron was the attorney general who ran against him. Well-heeled. People don't really like the fact that he's cut from the Mitch McConnell cloth. But you look at the other statewide officials. Rand Paul, who's never found a camera that he doesn't like, and Mitch McConnell, 
Both of those guys ha- are hallmark conservatives in the industry. I think Bashir has two options that are both really interesting. If Rand Paul earlier this week, Rand Paul, conservative libertarian streak, United States Senator from Kentucky, they asked him, who do you think the most likely person is to try to replace Mitch McConnell? And he said, Governor Andy Bashir. If he were to run against Mitch McConnell today, he would beat him. Mitch McConnell was the Senate majority leader for over a decade. And his own junior senator from his state said, hey, look, if Mitch McConnell is on the ballot against this guy, he defies odds. He walks on water. He wins persuadable Republicans. I mean, how much bad blood is there between Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul? Like, it's one of those things I think everybody knows it. I know McConnell hates his guts. And look, I know a lot of the, like, new age Republican libertarian streak people love Rand Paul. That dude's full of crap. He always has been. He's there anytime there's pork money out there for things that benefit his causes. Like, for me, as a part of the Republican Party, like, there's one guy that I think is an abject charlatan with this pave my roads, keep me safe, leave me alone message. And it's Rand Paul. That dude just doesn't even mean it. And every time I read his name or hear him in sound bites talking bad about the senior senator from his own party, like, I'm not telling him not to feel a certain way. We all know Mitch McConnell's got to go. I'm sorry, I digress. Back to my initial question. Do the Democrats want to win by a touchdown or do the Democrats want to have to kick a last second field goal? And that's what I really think is ultimately going to be interesting. Because to this point, if you lined up a ticket that looked anything like Michelle Obama and Andy Bashir, it would be lights out for Donald Trump. It wouldn't matter. You can send Andy Bashir into the most conservative community in the country and he can make you believe that he is one of them. A lot of you guys don't uh, don't know Kentucky as a state. Like it's one of those. It's more conservative than Georgia. I don't know how else to say it. He's kind of like the left's version of Brian Kemp. Bashir has one really bad thing that he has to run from, and that was COVID. But as he's shown you, and the rest of the country has shown you, like the COVID message in 2024 for the election cycle, it doesn't matter. Ron DeSantis made all the right calls. What did that get him? A second place finish in in, in the Iowa caucus. Like it's it's over. It's recent news. It's distant news. It doesn't move people to the polls anymore. So he's got kind of he doesn't spend and Bashir doesn't spend a lot of time fighting with his legislature, which is dominated the House and the Senate by Republicans. And look, he signs the bills he wants to sign. He signs plenty of bills he doesn't want to sign. He has avoided a lot of the social fights in Kentucky. And the voters there have rewarded him for it. Look, I think that if you if you look at people that are going to struggle, I think Gavin Newsom struggles with Donald Trump. I think Kamala Harris struggles with Donald Trump. I don't think Michelle Obama and Andy Bashir struggle with Donald Trump in the least. If I was going to make a game-time decision at the Democrat convention, those are the two people I am going with. And I think Andy Bashir would be along for that ride because he might very well carry a state like Kentucky because he's so well-liked. That would be really interesting to see. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take where I take an issue of the week, I unpack it, I make it make sense to your life. We're going to talk about impeachment in a couple weeks. You hear about it a lot. 
I, I had my kids ask me about what does it mean to impeach a cabinet secretary. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to talk about commercial real estate. We are going to talk about the George Santos seat that's now gone back to the Democrats by a pretty wide fashion. And we're going to get into that Mayorkas impeachment like we were talking about. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station, and we will be right back. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. There are a lot of of really, really interesting topics to get to. I think the Republican Party right now is incredibly interesting. I'm a guy who's told you for weeks, months, years, I'm not on team Donald Trump. I mean, I'll ultimately be there in November. I was really excited to see what everybody else could do. Said in an interview with Burt Jones a couple weeks ago, Georgia's lieutenant governor, that I've resigned to the fact that I was not going to get my way. I'd be on team DeSantis. I still don't know if I can be on Team Nikki Haley, but that, neither here nor there. The party is controlled entirely, especially in the House of Representatives, by one guy. I think it was really interesting this week that Mitch McConnell came out very publicly and supported and celebrated the bill funding defense measures in Taiwan, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict with arms for the Israelis, and then it also, the biggest portion of that bill, $95 billion bill, by the way, $95 billion bill to fund the war between the Ukrainians and the Russians, clearly funding the Ukrainians with munitions, ammunition, what have you. Late in the week, the Wall Street Journal published an article with a lot of comments from McConnell, who is no fan of Donald Trump. That's not going to surprise you. It says... He has not spoken with Donald Trump since the back half or really the end of the year in 2020 after the riots on the Capitol. There's a lot of people that don't like Mitch McConnell. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of them on the radio station. I actually understand why I think McConnell's day, his brightest day is clearly gone. He's being challenged by some younger guys in the Senate for leadership. I think McConnell's got two years left on his term. He's going to escape the United States Senate. It'll be interesting to see if he does resign uh, prior to the conclusion of his term or if he's going to stick it out. He's 81 years old. I think McConnell, I'm going to say some nice things about McConnell, and he's not well-liked. I've had David Perdue on the show, not a big fan. Uh, there, Josh Hawley, not a big fan. There's a lot of people who don't like McConnell. I will give McConnell credit for this one thing. He has played the long game a lot. A lot more than some of these guys who are younger, who want to see the funding in the war in Ukraine. I don't look, I don't care if you're in favor of it, if you're not in favor of it. McConnell sees the long game 
for the United States and its global influence on a world stage. You can hate that. You can be more of the isolationist when Trump didn't know how to govern and they lost the House of Representatives. McConnell took the opportunity to confirm as many judges as he possibly could. If there was an open date on the calendar, he just gave Trump, there was a handful of them, they just gave Trump judges from the four corners of the country and they were conservative. They were confirming conservative judges because that was really all that McConnell had at his disposal. I think that was actually incredibly great for the long-term strategy of the Republican Party and gets nearly no headlines two, three years later. I think the the day and the time is, is changed, and I'm not a McConnell apologist. I take everybody for what they are. I think Josh Hawley likes to glip and glib for the cameras, I think that there's a lot of people who bend the knee that are young in the United States Senate that have taken more of the isolationist Trump approach. I think that it's populism. I think that it sells. I think it's very easy for average people to understand, well, why would I fund something in another part of the world if I could use that dollar here in our inner cities and clean up crime? That's fine. Neither of those things are going to happen because the inner cities are a perpetual train wreck. No president ever changes that. They are poorly governed locally, and that's why they suck. And it's not any harder than that. So if you want to repatriate money going from the Ukraine back into the inner cities in this country, so be it. If you gave a third option to put all that money in a barrel, light it on fire on a really cold day in the Northeast, at least the third option would keep you warm for a little while. The other two are largely not going to do anything. I have been in favor of the war in Ukraine because I think it keeps Vladimir Putin busy. Do I think the United States is too big of a cog in the wheel for the solution with the Ukrainian government? A hundred percent. I think we should be a piece of it. I don't think we're the country that has the most to lose. I think that that is Poland. I think that is our NATO allies in borderline Eastern Europe. And I don't understand why they don't lead on a global stage with the funding of the war in Ukraine, if they feel that strongly about defeating the Russian government and beating them back off of NATO's doorstep, why on earth is that front and center of the United States of America's responsibility? I'll tell you the answer. We're the most creditworthy environment in the entire world. Easy. J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, all the investment banking institutions, they value the United States So far and away, what they value Europe, it's easy for us to print money and get something done. Does that ultimately mean that you're going to see things like earlier this week where there's 3.1% inflation because the United States has printed too much money? Yes, but both sides printed that money. The Republicans will blame the Democrats. The Democrats will say it was for investing in infrastructure in this country. It's everybody's fault, and it's been everybody's fault for a really long time. That's not going to change. And by the way... Trump Republicans, when the Republicans have the Senate and the Republicans, if they are able to take back the House and Donald Trump is president, I want to hear all of us being up in arms when the budget deficit goes from one trillion to two trillion to three trillion because it's going to happen. And if you're loud and proud about it now, I want to see you be loud and proud about it then. Because you have to be consistent. You can't just govern with populism with whatever the day holds. You have to be founded in ideology. That's the thing that I will give Mitch McConnell credit for. His ideology doesn't move a whole hell of a lot. 
You don't have to like that ideology. He's a lot more consistent than somebody like Marco Rubio. He's a lot more consistent than somebody like Josh Hawley. He's a lot more consistent than somebody like Lindsey Graham. So if you don't like him, I understand why. But you ought to appreciate the people who don't move. In the same way you look, I appreciate Mike Pence, another guest of the show earlier this year. You know why I like Mike Pence? It's not because I agreed with him all the time. It was because I knew where he stood on the issues. He wanted to fund the war in Ukraine. He had a 1980, 1990, 2000 foreign policy. You know what? If you ask the guy the same question every single time out, he would give you the same answer. And you might disagree with it. I will always respect that. The guy doesn't move on abortion rights. Mitch McConnell doesn't move on abortion rights. Plenty of people have run to issues based on where things are in the present day. And I appreciate the authenticity at which certain individuals from yesteryear choose to lead. Changing gears just a little bit off that CPI inflationary number, 3.1%. The biggest issue that this country faces, and we have talked about it more or less over the last year, is commercial office space. It is by far, it's not the most organized, but it is by far the largest industry in the country. And it affects nearly everything. You have seen in the last, I don't know, two weeks, NYCB Bank saw a flood of people taking their money out. They had their quarterly earnings report. And look, this isn't a small bank. It's worth tens of billions of dollars. It's huge. Plenty of people have their primary mortgage with them. But the biggest industry to NYCB Bank is commercial real estate, like a lot of people, like a lot of industries around the country. And COVID, for all that it taught us, also gave us its our own share of problems, and they are coming home to roost, What you probably don't know. When you sign a lease, it is part of a mortgage-backed entity. What I mean when I say that, commercial real estate in itself is a property company. The, the lessees, they sit inside an operating company. Well, the property company has a mortgage that essentially resets its rate every 10 years. And the property that you're starting to see, and you're going to see this in your assessments, you're going to have a ton of your counties and a ton of your cities in the next three to five years start to default on these loans or have to restructure them. I think the big banks are really, really well positioned in order to move forward in the 21st century in 2024. But you've also seen them in the last couple of years, you've seen JP Morgan Chase have to acquire essentially like they weren't forced on paper. They were forced to acquire Silicon Valley Bank, among others. And I think what's really interesting about that is that they can do that for a little while. But when you get to the mid-sized banks, and I mean, these banks are worth $10 billion, $20 billion, $30 billion a piece, start to have issues with being able to fill tenants inside these office buildings, you're going to see one of two things happen. The country is going to go into a massive recession because one of its largest industries is wholesale trying to escape a financial crisis and it'll crash, or you will see the federal government come to the table again, and this is what I think will ultimately happen, put it all on the backs of the U.S. taxpayers, allow these companies, these property companies to refinance their debt so that everything doesn't go into an abject crisis. It is not going to be entirely unlike what you saw with the housing crisis. The difference is, is the housing crisis affected so many average people, people like me, people like you, people that only have a mortgage, it's the only property I own, 
Everybody knew somebody affected. There were a ton of foreclosures with all the bad and faulty loans that were given out through the 90s and the early part of the 2000s. But this is going to be different. And honestly, in a lot of ways, it's going to probably be bigger. I do think that the federal government, along with the giant commercial banks, the commercial lenders, the J.P. Morgan Chases that we talk about all the time, are going to be in position to have a better functional understanding of what's going to happen. And maybe we can absorb this and keep it off the creditors. But look, when you work from home, all of a sudden your employer looks around at the 80% vacant office space and thinks, what the hell am I doing? I could put all that money towards my bottom line. And it's going to be interesting. You've already started to see it with companies like Amazon. You've started to see it with others, the giant retailers who have a ton of fixed asset real estate saying, you're coming back into the office. We are using this. But ultimately, the, the workforce has total control. And, and, you don't, and you don't have to do anything but look around. Unemployment in this country is near abject historic lows. So you, while inflation's still 3, 3.1%, and it's never going to get back down to 2, I don't care what Jerome Powell or Donald Trump or Joe Biden ever tell you. That was the heyday. But it's going to present a huge crisis to the balance sheets of your local communities because that's ultimately where it's going to be affected the most. Look, I live in Alpharetta, Georgia. There's essentially two jobs for every person who lives here. Well, in 2019, there were essentially two jobs for every person. A lot of these people, when they went home for for COVID, especially as a tech-centric economy, they never really in a meaningful way came back to the office. You can drive around any number of municipalities all around North Fulton or Cobb County near the Battery. There's a ton of vacant real estate. You drive through downtown Atlanta, there's a ton of vacant real estate there. Mayor Andre Dickens, to his credit, is like, are we going to convert these to some sort of housing? You know, and honestly, I don't know what the, I hope that's not ultimately the answer, but what if it is? You know, the country also has a housing shortage, which is really interesting. But are you going to cram a family of four or a family of five or a family of six into some downtown converted office building? I don't know. And I don't think anybody ultimately knows. I do think employers, when they sign on and they, or they have real estate, I think they are going to demand in a wholesale sort of like a the union's going on strike kind of way is if you take down office space in a mixed-use development or a class A or a class B or a class C, building. You literally, you sign the lease and you were coming into the office. There's no two ways about it. Those are going to be the terms and conditions that people have. And honestly, the banks, the big banks that back all of these securities, they're going to have their thumb on the scale with absolutely every single part of it. All those conversations are going to have such a huge, huge issue coming into 2024 with the November general election cycle. My name is Ben Burnett. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. Put out content on Tuesdays and Thursdays at the Podcast Park. Every once in a while, I'll call in, be a guest, fill in spot on the radio program for the morning extra. Grateful to all those guys. You can listen to Tug Rhino and Carlos Medina from 6 until 10. You can listen to Kimmer, Pete, and Flounder. Every afternoon, 3 until 6 for your ride home. Atlanta's only conservative talk lineup all day. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton in the middle of the day. Love those guys. I think a lot of what they do in the coveted Rush Limbaugh spot. Speaking of election season, it is already underway. Do you guys, it's been, I don't know, what, 90 days, 120 days since Congressman George Santos in his year and four months 
was expelled from the United States Congress. That's something that does not happen every single day. There was a special election this week to fill his seat, and a Democrat by the name of Tom Susie won the race. Wasn't particularly close, 53-47. Actually, it was 53.7 to 46. That's a beating. I wonder who was, who were the write-ins. Did Santos pick up any write-in ballots, votes? I have to imagine Santos probably voted for himself. That guy's such a scorned woman. I mean, we don't run from it. We don't hide who we are. I think the issue that Republicans have, we got to get our hands around, is not every district, especially when you look at the suburbs, is like a Freedom Caucus district. And Santos really tried to get there and stay there and lied about a bunch of things in, in his past, went through a pretty nasty divorce, became a gay man, embezzled money through his campaign account. I mean, clearly, Republican or Democrat, not Probably not a good dude who wanted something a little bit too much, all for the pen that he could wear and tell people he was a congressman. Look, you got to be ready for that. And I think that it goes to show that candidate quality really matters. When you look at some of these states in, in districts, like the Republicans had a House seat that had part of New York City. And we took that for granted. And that's one of the things that I think we really can't afford to do. When we win a district that is marginally left-leaning as Republicans and won it handily, like we got to put people in the position who have the message who are really super thoroughly vetted. There is no other way to get it. There's no other way to get around that. It is too important to the makeup. And if the Republicans want to continue to win and want to find prosperity as a party, then you got to put the right people in office and you got to vet them before they get there. Look, you if you want to run for Congress, and hear me when I say this, I would hire a background firm. I'd Lexus Nexus myself to the moon and back. I would want to know everything out there that somebody could potentially dig up and run against me because there's 435 members of Congress. And I can tell you that the Republicans either didn't think that Santos was capable of winning when he ran two years ago or it was so far an anomaly that he didn't measure anybody's litmus test. Because if they had looked into the guy for more than a half hour, they would have discovered all sorts of things that the guy had claimed that he had done with his life. He said he was a volleyball player, wasn't even an athlete. They'd have looked into his financial situation. They would have looked into how he was spending campaign money, any number of things. And it matters. It, I'm not going to sit here and say it matters everywhere. It should matter everywhere. But it clearly didn't matter in that set of circumstances when the Republican conference recruited him to run. It didn't matter near like it should be. And shame on us. And at the same time, I know the Republicans aren't the only one. I'm just talking to a friendly audience. But the issues to the race, this is hilarious to me. The issues to this race were centered around immigration and the economy. And the Democrats in a suburb of New York City won. How in God's name can the Democrats lay claim in 2024 to issues surrounding immigration, which is a wholesale joke? How terrible is the Republican messaging in the economy? We've already talked about it. Inflation, the CPI numbers this week ticked back up to 3.1%. Biden had his Super Bowl influencer Instagram post about shrinkflation. I mean, I don't understand who who runs these messages. If you ask me why the Republicans lost that seat, one, George Santos caused a special election to take place. 
and they held the Republican Party responsible because there is no way in 2024 in the United States of America that the Democrats hold the upper hand on immigration and the economy. Literally zero. They have printed more money in the last couple of years than has ever been printed in the United States of America's history. And the only reason that they are not going for broke right now, I say that kind of like tongue-in-cheek, is that the Republicans have the House. Yet we continue. There's three other special elections that are going to take place in the next 60 days to fill. Kevin McCarthy's seat is one. The Republicans will hold on to that. But there's a, I mean, Speaker Mike Johnson has got a razor-thin majority, and it continues to shrink. I think the Republicans are well-positioned to pick up the United States Senate in 2024, and thank God, because after the House has chosen to govern like abject crazy people over the course of the last two years, I mean, they have nothing. Yeah, I talk about it pretty regularly. My favorite speech of the last couple of years were with Chip Roy, a congressman from Texas, where he said, I have given my constituents, and this Congress has given our constituents absolutely nothing, nothing to go home and campaign on. They can't get a border deal done. And yes, granted, I don't agree with the border deal that the United States Senate in a somewhat bipartisan way put forward. I don't blame Mike Johnson for staying away from that one. I think the Republicans, if they wanted to get something done, hear me when I say this, they have to figure out what they are in favor of. You saw in the last week, Brian Kemp, well-respected, highly regarded governor of our great state of Georgia, said that we've got to get away from the national politics. We have to. There's no choice. We have to get away from the national politics, and we have to talk about what we are in favor of. Well, if we are in favor of any sort of border deal, United States Congress, the Republican Conference, caucus, what are we in favor of? What does our bill look like where we can get 213, 14, 15, 16 people to vote in favor of something and send it to the House? It ain't any harder than that. The Republicans act like they are not the party of power in the United States House of Representatives, in the United States government, and they are. And they act like they are anything but the party that controls everything. They should be able to put things on the floor as the people's house and get them done and make the Democrats in the United States Senate explain away their position of how they are actually not in favor of anything other than amnesty for illegal immigrants, because that issue is a loser amongst marginally left-leaning Democrats. And I don't understand why Mike Johnson can't get a handful of people on board and create some sort of pathway to citizenship or a guest worker program and why he can't include sealing the border with that. Look, the Senate just sent over a giant $95 billion package for funding the war in the Ukraine, for funding the war in Israel, for helping Taiwan. And the Republicans are like, nah, we're not going to do anything with this. Well, why don't we lead and make it some sort of bill where it includes sealing off the southern border and send it back to the United States Senate, get in a conference committee, sort it out, seal the border, fund our obligations, make sure everybody takes a little bit of a haircut on what they want to do, and move forward. Because if the Democrats would actually take that message and strategy, I think the Republicans would get absolutely boat raced going into 2024. Coming up in the final segment, we are going to talk about my dear friend, Tucker Carlson. I say that half kidding. Spent most of last week in Russia 
had a long-form sit-down interview with Vladimir Putin, and I want to give you my thoughts on it. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram, at The Ben Burnett Show. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. We will be right back. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show. You can follow the station at Extra 106.3 on either of those platforms. That's XTRA. The final thing I want to get to, sometimes when you have a long career in something, anything, you forget who you are. When you look back at a career like Tucker Carlson has had, he's written for numerous publications. He got his start on television with MSNBC opposite Rachel Maddow. He was at one point on CNN, on Crossfire, may have gotten those out of order. He was on Fox News for a long time. What people forget about Tucker Carlson is that he is an entertainer. At one point, I believe the man to be an authentic journalist. I think as he has launched the Tucker Carlson Network, he seeks to go back to his foundational roots in journalism. But he spent a long time as an entertainer. One of the reasons, one of the real absolute core reasons that Fox had to settle their defamation lawsuit in Delaware last year was because of the testimony that Tucker Carlson had given under oath as a part of that deposition. He knew that the 2020 riots on Capitol Hill were somewhat under false pretenses. And he knew that going after Dominion voting systems was a little bit disingenuous. Fox had no choice but to settle that lawsuit. They would have had absolutely no credibility left. And Fox News also wanted to do two things. They wanted to pivot back towards somewhat mainstream television. And they wanted to shed payroll. It was an opportunity where they could get rid of Tucker Carlson. And they knew that there was really very little that he could do. I'm sure he got paid to go away. And I was one of the guys who was really, truly happy for him. Because I think, look, once you've made 35 or $40 million a year for a dozen years, does it really make a difference when you get another check for $40 bucks? No, it doesn't. You've got life-changing money. Ask Clay Travis. His children's children's children will have life-changing money. But you lose some of the authenticity along the way. Tucker Carlson had to maintain status quo when he was on Fox News. He had higher ratings than Sean Hannity in that 9 o'clock slot. He did. Tucker Carlson is a core foundational component of the Trump machine. And I'm not saying that Fox wants to move towards or away from Donald Trump. I'm not having that conversation. But when you get the responsibility amongst the fan base, you have certain things that you have to do. U2 goes on stage every night, and they have to play all the hits from the Joshua Tree. 
It's not like they get to go out on stage on their worldwide tour and just play whatever 25 songs they feel like doing. They have an obligation to the people who pay good money, and you have to give the people what they want. So I've told you, I have a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. I think the Daily Caller was great. It's given a ton of people like Caitlin Collins, her star. It is a very reputable organization. And I think that what Tucker Carlson has the opportunity to do now with the Tucker Carlson subscription-based network is also interesting because it's essentially you get to cast the journalism and talk about the stories that you want to. He's got the brand-new prime minister or president from Argentina. He's gone in the last week or two to Russia to go talk to Vladimir Putin. But I want to stop here for a second. I don't trust Vladimir Putin any further than I can throw him. And I don't think any of you do either. And look, I think there are plenty of people. Do you fund the war in Ukraine? Do you not fund the war in Ukraine? I think those are conversations bound in efficacy here in the United States of America. And we should talk about our global role in the world. None of those people on either side of that argument go to bed at night and think, you know what? Vladimir Putin is really just laying it down. He is doing the right thing for his people. He is the beacon of freedom. So I'm not going to cast dispersions upon Tucker Carlson for having him, but Tucker Carlson definitely put his charlatan hat on that said, we're the first Western journalist outlet that Vladimir Putin has wanted to do an interview with in four years. Give me a freaking break. I have read Clarissa Ward's autobiography. She is now the chief international correspondent for CNN. She's probably early 40s. She's brilliant. She went to Yale. I Look, she's left-leaning, so take that off the table. Clarissa Ward can speak like five languages. She can speak Russian. She can speak Arabic. She can speak, speak French. She can speak Farsi. Like, you can't hide from this girl. And by the way, she's half, Ameri- she's half American, so she speaks English. You can't hide from her. If, pound for pound, in my opinion, I, yes, I've already said she's left-leaning. That girl knows more about the world than anybody else. She sat down across the table from Bashar al-Assad, prime minister, president of Syria. She scares the hell out of him. That's who I want across the table. When Tucker Carlson went to Moscow over the course of the last week, I I thought he had a real opportunity, and I think at certain points he really did a great job on behalf of journalists. You could see the journalism bone in his body when he asked about Evan Gershevitz, Wall Street Journal reporter that they've had detained for nearly a year. He said, well, why don't you just put him on a plane and send him home with me? Like, that's the part, that's the pure as the driven snow journalism part of Tucker Carlson. The guy was literally in Moscow as a bureau chief for the Wall Street Journal, and, and the Russians locked him up and said he was a spy. Didn't approve of everything he was writing about, and Tucker said, "Hey, let me take him home." I look. I, Tucker has no idea who that dude one is, and two, what he believes about anything. But I will give him credit for asking that question. But I think it was a real mistake for Tucker Carlson to not sit there and ask the man tougher questions. Vladimir Putin, he didn't once. He sat down with him for over an hour, and he didn't ask him once about trying to poison Alexei Navalny, who once challenged him for president and then has subsequently locked him in jail. Didn't ask him about that at all. You want to talk about the proud history and tradition of the Russian government? That's fine. I'm smart enough. I've been through Western civilization classes. I can see through it. But I think that Tucker Carlson kind of let us down a little bit. And look, he's not in favor of funding the war in Ukraine, and, and he's not asking you to support that or not support that. But I think giving Vladimir Putin the most friendly interview that you could have as the one journalist, and look, they took it because they knew it was going to be the closest thing to down the middle that they could get. Only it really wasn't. Why would you not ask him about poisoning his opponents? Why would you not ask him about his overall ambitions? Look, if you want to say that NATO has sat there and put their finger in the eye of the Russian people and the Russian government over the course of the last 
five years, I am not going to be the person who disagrees with you. I don't want Ukraine in NATO. I really didn't want Finland and Sweden in NATO. I really don't want half the countries in NATO that we have today because I don't want to send my kids to go fight the evil empire for something that most of us fundamentally disagree with. Half the countries in it have no use to my life or our country at all. And I think that Putin is well-founded to say I really firmly disagree in a wholesale way with the fact that the Americans or the West are going to sit there and continue to poke their finger in our eye and expect there not to be any consequences. Only the guy was always going to invade the Ukraine. He's had this thing. The thing about American politics is that we operate in two-year cycles and sometimes four-year cycles. President Clinton, Boris Yeltsin, the prime minister of the UK, Tony Blair, and somebody else all had an agreement that the Ukrainians would lay down their nuclear weapons some 25 years ago, and they did. And all the countries at the table swore to protect the Ukraine should they ever be invaded or have some sort of conflict. Well, none of that actually happened. So none of us were trustworthy actors. In fact, one of the countries, Russia, literally invaded the country that they signed a treaty and said that they wanted to protect. You can't trust people forever. Like, this is the thing that America's got to get past. We can't We can't operate in a world where we have really, really long-term founded relationships outside of just a handful of countries. Great Britain, the United States, Canada, Australia, France. It's a mess. I think you see the Senate trying to fund the war in Ukraine. You know, I don't even know how I feel about any of that stuff anymore. But I can tell you this. You ought to trust your sources and journalism, and you ought to get to a place where you really authentically have conversations with yourself about who people are, like Tucker Carlson, And what is his ultimate agenda? Because he's been relatively supportive of Vladimir Putin for a little while now, and I have a lot of concerns about that. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. We will see you guys next week. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.